This is Inspired in 15, where we dive into big ideas with the smartest founders and operators we know. In this episode, Charlotte speaks with Michele Floriani, principal and CMO of Sequoia, all about employee experience. For two decades, Sequoia Consulting Group has provided benefits, HR, payroll, and risk management solutions for thousands of people-centric employers across the country. In this shifting talent landscape, Michele shares his views on which benefits employers are prioritizing and what the future of work might just look like. We'll welcome Michele after the break. As a founder, I know that acquiring customers is important, but keeping them is even more important. That's what separates the good from the great. As you grow your business and build great product, Zendesk for Startups helps you build the foundation to deliver great customer experiences. Startups get Zendesk customer service software free for six months and can access their exclusive community of founders, partners, and resources. Claim this offer at zendesk.com forward slash inspired and start building lasting customer experiences. Welcome, Michele. We are so excited to have you here today on the Inspired 15 podcast. We have been looking at a trend around employee benefits. And so I'm really excited to chat through all the benefits and employees' experiences given your eight years at Sequoia. So let's get started. Would love to start with your perspective on the evolving landscape of the employee experience, specifically what you think will change in the next two years. And then what we you think will change in the next 10 years? Okay. Well, great to be here, Charlotte. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it has been a really interesting time and so much changes already underfoot. So even try to answer what's going to change in the next two years has a little bit of a crystal ball component to it. But when we think about the employee experience, obviously the employer is a big part of it. And the relationship between employers and employees has been evolving for some time. COVID sped that all up. And, you know, what I see today and what I see continue playing out for the next two years is that employees are going to continue to expect more from their employer and they expect it to play a bigger role in their personal lives and the lives of their families. So that will be applied to things like benefits and healthcare, well-being, which for us is defined in a mental category and physical and even fiscal well-being and the growth and career evolution, things like L&D mobility. And I think what you'll see in those changes is that employers are going to be listening to employees a bit more. They need to get it right. They need to have support that is more personalized for them as in terms of what kind of person they are, where they are in their life, whether they're a young family or maybe they're single or maybe they're later in life. And you'll see that customization being applied. And then finally, um, I think you'll hear through that listening also a spirit of transparency. Employers will be much more forthcoming because data is easier to get to for employers, but also employees these days. And you'll start seeing transparency play on how they communicate about pay and maybe the demographics breakdown of their company and the offerings that they have for people who do join the company. Really interesting. And across those three categories that you mentioned, you know, health benefits, wellness benefits, and then kind of the L&D slash mobility benefits. Where do you see employers prioritizing? You know, I think they see it as really one package, which is what are the needs of the employees? They feel like they need to have the whole coverage there. But we've seen so much around mental health. That's been a real area of investment. Um, It was growing in popularity and the percentage of pay that people were investing in for their people. 
And obviously when COVID hit, a whole bunch of new symptoms hit their populations and it was starting to show up in claims and absenteeism and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, it's keeping people happy and healthy. And because if you can do that, you get the productivity up, you get the contributions, the culture, all those things come forward by taking care of that individual's true needs. Got it. And you kind of alluded to COVID, but I'm curious, you know, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being employers are desperate to do anything to keep employees happy. Where are employers now versus kind of where they were pre-pandemic? Yeah, great question. So the term employer doesn't is not a one at all. So let's say for this conversation in general, we're talking about employers who are people-centric, right? Those kinds of employers, I think, have always been at a 10, right? Because they're always trying to meet the needs. Um, those kinds of employers always need the best people in their companies. It's kind of a competition or a war, as people say, for talent. And what's really the thing that's changed is now, what are those needs of those people that they're trying to pursue? And so I see that like during COVID, a couple of themes evolved. Certainly, you know, a population of employees got way more in tune with what their health and mental care needs are. And they're verbalizing that and employers are adjusting for that. And then I also see that employees are seeking meaningful missions and they want to feel that cause and effect of their efforts in their workday. Interesting. And then on the budget side, because obviously all of these things have a cost. Do you see budgets? Are they meaningfully different from what they were before the pandemic? Yes. You know, the way we look at the world, uh, people-centric employers spend about, you know, over 70% of every dollar on their people. A big part of that, of course, is pay and equity. But, you know, that 70%, maybe 20% of it is on benefits. And what we saw was an increase in a lot of well-being. As you can imagine, as COVID hit, and again, these symptoms and the stress and all these other things where there was an investment in well-being vendors and well-being programs. And there was also an investment to new kinds of vendors who really could do the mobile service effectively, right? Which was a trend that was growing. But again, COVID became a turbo button as everyone now uh, couldn't go to doctor's offices and all those, you know, well-known model shifts that we now see. And so that was a kind of investment that grew. And, you know, Sequoia consults with companies of all sizes. I'd love to get your take on the biggest pain points that you're seeing with early stage companies today. And then also like what you're seeing at kind of more growth stage companies. Early stage companies, you know, I think a lot of them are dealing with the administrative changes that have, you know, the the simple effect of having now employees in a lot of other states, right? Startups were kind of famous for get in the garage and, you know, let's all huddle. And, And so everyone was in one town, maybe one place had different implications on everything from payroll tax to the healthcare coverage, et cetera. So it's a lot to take on. And often, you know, early stage companies don't have the staff or expertise in-house to handle that. But it's not uncommon now to have employees in 12, 15 states, even if you're a small startup. And that's a lot to manage. It's a lot to be compliant with. And so I see them struggling with that. On the bigger growth size, you know, growth stage kinds of companies, honestly, I think what's top of mind for them is just keeping their great people where they are. One thing I know they're all dealing with is a way to get the most out of this increased investment they're all making in their people. And that's really what, you know, whether you're a startup or you're a large enterprise, I referenced that 70%. That's a lot of, uh, 
lot of money for anyone. Right. And and how you get the you know the most out of that is really ultimately the business this, uh, discussion they're all having. Yep. So let's get your take on some of the trends that we are hearing about in the space and we're seeing startups building. I want to go across a couple of different dimensions. Let's start with offices. You know, are you seeing companies move to more of a hybrid and model? Do younger employees actually want to go back to the office? And what are you seeing companies doing with respect to kind of like camaraderie in this remote environment? In terms of the hybrid model is, yeah, it, it works. We're all there, you know, at some degree right now in one way or another. A lot of learnings and a lot of surprises from it. There'll be tweaks, particularly as we now, I think it'll get more complicated or complex as people start coming back, but others are going to stay where they are. How we work, how we utilize the office. I think there's some more figuring that out. I think a lot of people would acknowledge that and admit to it at this stage. Got it. Mental health. I know that's one that you alluded to a little bit earlier. What are some of the innovative benefits that you're seeing in this category? I think now helping people find care from people who get them is that stage we're in right now. What I mean by that is like, remember the dating apps, everyone, you know, like there was like one or two dating apps and now there's like dating apps for all kinds of lifestyles. And, you know, they're like, you're a cowboy, you have a dating app. If you're religious, uh, you have a dating app. I mean, if you have a certain lifestyle this way, you have a dating app, et cetera. I see that happening in mental health. And it makes a lot of sense because people want to get help from people that relate to them. So, you know, if you're young, you want young. If you're old, you want old. If you have other aspects of your personal lives, you want to match those up. And the vendors that I see and I see our clients using um, certainly have that component or building it out as part of their service offering. Got it. The third trend we wanted to get your take on was DEI. Do you see companies making a deeper investment here? And what DEI programs are the most impactful in your opinion? I do see companies certainly making investments in this. There's no doubt about that. It's, I don't think, moving fast enough for anyone's uh, liking. We have a, a site that Sequoia provides called DataForce, where we actually pull people on their DEI programs. And in our last survey, we saw 28% of the companies participating, and these are people-centric, you know, very, I think, in-tune companies. 28% of them have somebody dedicated to the DEI program was hired for that program, or they're planning to hire them. So it's kind of a split between that 28%. And so that's a great step because we've seen the best DEI programs that we've seen in our client base are the ones that have that dedicated leader because they're able to activate and really drive the cause is a topic that every employer that we work with seems to be in tune on the importance of that being part of the employee experience, being part of the cultural and policy decisions of the company and trying to close that gap, obviously, across all those fronts in their hiring practices and in their investment practices, whatever aspect of the business uh, they're able to focus on. And the last trend um, is family. You know, that's one that I've seen a lot of startups try to build in. What are the top benefits and requests that you're seeing with respect to family and family planning? For sure, the family planning category has expanded a lot. I've seen a lot of, uh, it kind of ties to our earlier discussion about taking care of people's true needs and, you know, where are they in their life? So if they're in that kind of family bearing window, it's very stressful for companies or employers to go through these processes that should otherwise be very joyous and exciting. But when the work's involved, there's a lot to manage there in terms of like preparing for your family, going through pregnancy, um, going through, you know, the days and weeks and months after. 
So it's great to see that expanding. What I see happening to that category now is again, the specialization. So looking at it from a kind of multi-generational lens, you're welcoming new children, or maybe you're caring for older children at that stage in your life, or maybe you're caring for your parents dealing with elder care, right? Or maybe you have special needs care. Those are all aspects of family planning and family care that we see people getting real specialized programs around and employers are very proud to make that part of the benefits offering. Great. And now I'd like to kind of fast forward to the future a bit. So if we you know, fast forward a decade, can you name some a few benefit offerings that you think will become the status quo that seem a little bit out there right now? Oof. You know, a decade's a long time. I think some trends that we may see are maybe around how healthcare is paid for and the different models of the financing and kind of, you know, things that are always around the consumerization of healthcare, I think plays itself. A lot of times employers and that whole employer ecosystem can be a way innovation happens because it's a fairly controlled environment compared to the public. And so innovation for the consumerization of healthcare can happen, I think, in the employer channels. And then, of course, just the delivery models, right? Again, so much innovation around mobile and kind of virtual service. And so as, you know, the phones get smarter and the wearables get better and everything gets more connected, it just will open up better ways to serve people in less invasive ways and in ways that really do tailor to their mental, physical you know, health needs. Great. And what is one thing people outside of the HR industry would be most surprised to learn? Love this question. I think they'd be surprised to learn how exciting and how strategic and how business-centric the function has become. It's gone through an evolution like many other, you know, functions have. Marketing is with, went through a big evolution over the last 10, 15 years. HR, the tool set, the data, and it's pretty cool. It's like the people aspect of successful businesses. And it is business. And that's the part I think HR has become built some muscle around is being able to have credible data, strategic insights. And it's really helping HR, helping companies understand how to get the most value out of these massive investments they make in their people. And no one is in better position to lead that conversation, to have the data and to be the pioneer in that answer within their companies than the HR departments are. And that's what we're seeing with this kind of next generation of HR leaders. And even the folks just entering it, they get that and they feel that opportunity and they want to close the gap and kind of continue the ascension. Yeah. I mean, people are a company's biggest asset. And so investing in people is probably the most important thing you can do. So moving on to kind of the last two rapid fire questions, what is one thing or person we should add to our media diet to get smarter about the benefits in HR space? And this could be a Substack, a Twitter account, a podcast, a book. That's cool. Well, this will be a little self-serving, but I am going to promote Data Forest, which you can get to by going to dataforest.sequoia.com. But it's genuine in the sense that I think it's a really cool resource. We've run benchmarking programs for last 10 years, and we decided to take all that data and put it into a way more engaging way and make it available. And so it's an open to all resource. We have you know some comp data in there, people policies, benefits, HR, global, like a lot of cool stuff. And we're going to continue 
to uh, grow the data forest, if you will, and make it better. And so a lot there and a lot more coming right around the corner. Check that out. Amazing. We will share that with all of our portfolio companies. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. And the, and the last question is just, if you had to pay it forward to one upstart in the benefit space, who should we keep our eye on? There's um, so much innovation, so many cool things. You know, a company that we've partnered with and done some really cool things is a company called Chart Hop. They're going after more of the kind of org stuff, helping companies see their org and be able to do some planning. And, and it's to me, it's one of these, you know, it's a relatively simple concept, but it's just really beautifully done. And it's helping. I've seen people benefit from using that tool. But man, it's just an exciting time in the space. There's a lot happening in the workforce tech, the benefits in healthcare tech, and everything in between. Cool. Well, Michele, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you can find Michele at, at Michele Floriani on Twitter and at Sequoia.com. So thanks so much for joining and I'm excited to chat again soon. Thank you, Charlotte. Great to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please subscribe, rate, and review Inspired in 15, and we'll see you next time.